Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. We've made it to 50 episodes. Mary. Quite an achievement, I think. Yeah, it's taken us a while, but we're there. It has, but doesn't, <laughs> in a way, some of the episodes I feel like we did ages and ages ago. Oh, yeah. And then you look back and you think, God, it doesn't seem two minutes since we did that one. <laughs> so it's yeah. a funny thing time. I thought of a great quote from John Hughes just then. I was going to say, life moves pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that. Um, yeah, we're going to do John Hughes this week. We don't usually sit and do just fun comedy films, so no, it's, it's definitely been a, different. It's, yeah, it's been a different experience, this one. Much harder, I think, for me, because I'm quite sort of analytical. And yeah, stuff. these are just audience-friendly 80s movies. There's, yeah. there's not really lots to unpick in terms of what he was necessarily trying to achieve with yeah. them, other than to, you know, make sure an audience enjoys the experience. Yeah. John Hughes really captures a period in time. Mm, absolutely. Most of his biggest work is between the period of the very early 80s and the late 80s. So you're mm. only looking at really maybe eight years, um, which in the grand scheme of things, not a lot of time. Mm. But so many classics in just a small period of time. Yeah, he had a huge impact on cinema at that time. Yeah. So we're going to cover six of the eight that he yes. wrote and directed. He didn't direct all of the films that he wrote, but these are the major ones. Yeah. He was a huge, um, very prolific writer mm. um, for the time anyway. Um, even the films that he didn't direct, you will have seen. Mm. Um, he wrote um, Home Alone uh, yeah, for yeah. a start. And, you know, you've got Beethoven in there, which is a <laughs> 90s classic flubber, you know, yeah, Miracle yeah. on 34th Street, Dennis the Menace, <laughs> 80s and 90s things that we, we you know, we know so well. Mm. Um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, lots of National Lampoon, yeah. Yeah, so he he had a a very big impact on the 80s and 90s, um, whether people knew that his name was on it or not. He actually started out writing jokes for comedians like Joan Rivers and That wouldn't surprise me, actually. Yeah, interesting sort of career path, isn't it, to start just almost scribbling things on bits of paper, I suppose, Mm. (laughs) and and doing what he did. So, yeah, this episode we're going to be covering... 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Weird Science, Planes, Trains and Automobiles and Uncle Buck. It was a new time for movies. People could go home and watch them Mm -hmm. over and over again, Yeah, which kind of changed the way that movies were made and the type of movies that were made. Yeah, they were made to please over and over again, weren't they? Mm -hmm, Exactly. So, should we start then with 16 Candles? Yeah. 1984. It's a brand new I'm 16. Everything should be platinum. I should be happy, right? Right? Oh, well, okay, this was a first time watch (laughs) for me. Um, Stars Molly Ringwald, who I think it's fair to say was John Hughes' muse. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, she appeared in a few. They all sort of appeared in a few. She was part of this Brat Pack group of actors that were very popular in this stage. Um, So she plays someone called Samantha baker and she turns 16 believe it or not um on the eve of and sort of in the shadow of her sister's wedding her older sister and she's got this dysfunctional family um they've got relatives arriving everyone's rushing getting ready for school and for work and as a result they just completely forget (laughs) that it's her birthday and she has the worst day ever (laughs) 16th birthday yeah to be be honest i think it's absolutely shitty really (laughs) i mean she comes down the stairs and then literally you're all just like you know where's my briefcase where's this we got your lunch you know you're gonna have to pay for your lunch today couldn't even make your lunch yeah it's just like uh hello yeah well you get that feeling i don't know if you it's the same with every john hughes film but she's not popular She's kind of... She's kind of in the no man's land, really, isn't she? She's definitely not a geek at all. She's just one of those invisible types. Mm. She doesn't fit into either the groups. She doesn't really fit into a group. Yeah, she's also probably the most sane as well in the film. Like, everyone else is really caricatured, especially adults, and that happens a lot in these films. Um, So, yeah, so she feels like no one understands her. You can get that. (laughs) Yeah. It's just not great, really. She just wants to be acknowledged... Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I like about this is that John Hughes taps into something that I think we all do, and that's 
we kind of put expectations on different milestones in our mm-hmm. lives, like across our lives, not just as a teenager. Um, and ultimately, things never quite live up to plans that we yeah. make for ourselves. I love how she thought like waking up from being 15 to 16 was going to have some kind of effect. <laughs> some kind of magical effect. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. Yeah, you've assumed that there's a line, that there's an end date between being a teenager and being an mm-hmm. adult, and that all your problems and insecurities are just going to magically disappear overnight. But they don't, you know, and that's kind of mm-hmm. life. And I think the film's quite realistic in that respect. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite funny. She wakes up and she's like, no boobs, you know. <laughs> I know how she feels. You know, I haven't got mine yet. So, <laughs> you know, just hang in there. Um, yeah, so I like that. And I, the other thing I think he's really good at is capturing what teenagers consider a priority in their lives as teenagers. Oh, yeah, he really gets teenagers. It's like he never forgot what it was like to grow up. Yeah, it's like it could have been written by a teenager. You can tell yeah. he didn't. He age. has a serious problem with parents and his, <laughs> yeah, like through his movies. And school. Yeah, he doesn't like it's either. It's like they're very like relatable to teenagers yeah. because they're just adults are not portrayed very well in no, his movies No, they're usually dumb, aren't they? They're dumb and they're people that you can mess around with. Yeah. There's a big montage during the opening credits as Samantha gets to school and you can see that everyone and everything is all about appearances. You know, it's not just how you look and what you wear, what social mm-hmm. circle you're in, who you're with, who you've gone with. Um, and that in particular is something that occupies Samantha's mind because she's got this huge crush on Jake Ryan, who's this um, you know, popular jock, you know, in the school. Man. He's a man in a high school who does not <laughs> look like he's a high school student. You look at all the rest of them and there's this dude. It's like yeah. you look like at least a college student. What are you doing here? Yeah. Whereas someone like Anthony Michael Hall's character looks like he's nine. <laughs> Oh my god, he's so annoying. I just want to slap him around the face pretty much the entire movie. I like him. It's it's problematic, but I like, yeah, nice. I had a real problem with him when he first came on and sat on the bus with her. I was like, that is like pivotal sexual harassment. Yeah. I was was just like, that is really, really bad. Mm, Yeah, there's lots of things in this that haven't aged very well, Mm, (laughs) I suppose. Um, More so than I think any of the other ones we've watched for this episode. Yeah. So uh, so Jake Ryan, he's kind of this crush that she's got. It's not based on anything other than the fact that she likes the way he looks. He's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I totally get it. I absolutely get it. I would be exactly the same. Totally get it. You don't need anything else, really. That's it. If you've got nice hair, you don't need any charisma. You know, it's just... (laughs) Yeah, just his face. They don't interact very much either. Um, There's a nice scene, though, where she's upset that he doesn't know she exists and her dad says to her, well, that's why they're called crushes. I think that's a very clever way of putting it, you know, I guess. I don't know if that's why they're called that. Um, yeah, no, and obviously Anthony Michael Hall, his actual character name is Geek. And I think and I think that summarises the kind of roles he plays. He's this overconfident nerd. Um, yeah. I mean, it's good that he's got that confidence. I don't know where the <laughs> hell he's got it from because if he's in that Geek group, I don't know where he's got this kind of inner confidence yeah. that he's you know gonna succeed <laughs> yeah proper cringe isn't he and oh god yeah he's, but he's just like this excited puppy and he's just trying to impress <laughs> he is everyone actually that really does actually pretty much sum him up you know he's just learning that he can hump things and you know <laughs> that kind of thing and he misreads all these situations and he fancies samantha but samantha doesn't fancy him and then you know he facilitates a bit of a relationship there um, and then the last thing, really, I guess just in terms of like comedy style, you can definitely see similarities to things like National Lampoon. Yeah. I don't know how to describe them. They're kind of like little absurd moments, little glimpses of side gags and recurring side yeah. gags that just turn up in the background. They're not at the forefront. They catch you off guard, I think, because you get involved mm-hmm. in the story and then just as the scene ends, you'll see something. But one of my favourites is at the dance and there's some parents who are like, forcing their son to go in and dance and every now and again you just see them dragging him back in and closing the door and holding it and he says i won't tell you again start acting like a man um and another one's uh joan cusack plays a, a girl who's in a neck brace and yeah. every now and again it just cuts to her and she's trying to like drink out the water fountain. i, <laughs> I know it's john, john cusack's in this as well yeah they're both um, in here yeah it, he is another one john hughes that had a kind of a talent for picking out Futures like stars yeah, absolutely yeah you see a couple of faces in, in these yeah films. i'm there's uh, there's a couple in his movies that you see and you go oh that's a big star now <laughs> yeah kevin bacon turns up in one of mine later <laughs> yeah i've got um, iron man in mine robert Downey oh, yeah, jr of course yeah 
Um, that, I guess just leading on to that last point about it being quite problematic, one of the, the like, gags that happens is this exchange student who's randomly staying yeah, with them. Yeah, very random. Called uh, Long Duck Dong. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it, the film's okay if you switch your brain off. It's perfectly enjoyable, but if you mm-hmm. were to recontextualize it and look at it today yeah. by today's standards it, it's all pretty bad it's quite sexist and racist mm-hmm. and there's some homophobic slurs in there there's a bit maybe a date rape kind of plot point going on it's not it's not ideal yeah. but no not really like i said if you can switch your brain off and go Just it was a different time <laughs> <laughs> yeah then it's not so bad and it, yeah it's quite it's a it's a it's a fun watch i suppose mm-hmm. so yeah that's um that's all i've got to say really on that Okay, um, so moving on from there, his next movie, the very next year, 1985, which was The Breakfast Club, which mm. is probably his most famous film. Absolutely. Um, yeah. He's definitely remembered for this more favourably than any of his other films, mm. I think. I'd agree with that. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? And this really did bring the Brat Pack together. Um, again, you had Molly Ringwald in there. And again, you had um, Anthony Michael Hall in there. This one had Judd Nelson and Emilio Estevez, mm. Ali Sheedy, all kind of huge 80s teenage stars at the time. It's a, it's an interesting film, this. Um, very, very simple, I think, mm. when you break it down. It's basically about these kids who are all in detention on a Saturday for the entire day, which seems a little bit like, yeah, I mean, extreme to me, eight hours. Quite <laughs> a long time. It's a nice room to be in, though. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> nice it's library. very, very extreme. Yeah. Uh, and they're all in detention for different reasons and they don't know each other. And basically the film's about stereotypes, really. Yeah. Um, which kind of rules a kid's life in a way. But it's interesting, this film, at the beginning you see how their parents see them which mm. I thought was very interesting. So Claire, played by Molly Ringwald, her dad doesn't like leaving her at the school and he doesn't see her leaving school to shop as an issue. Mm. Um, and he'll make it up to her that she had to go to detention. I'm just like, what the hell? That's mm. kind of weird. So she's obviously pampered and, you know, all this. And you can tell that from the beginning. And then you've got Andrew, Emilio Estevez, and he's a, a, a sports guy and, um, his, his dad's just like, you know, you can fool around, but don't get caught. You know, mm. do you want to ruin your sports chances, basically? You know, scholarship. Yeah. yeah. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> and then you've got Bender, Judd Nelson, who he walks to school. There's no parents around, which says a lot. And you learn a lot more about his kind of upbringing later. Yeah. Um, then you've got Brian. It very much looks like the word brain. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. is the brain of the group. He, he is the geek. And mm. his mother's furious. Um, and said he better make sure he uses his time to study, you mm. know. And he says, I don't think there'll be time for me to study. I don't think we're allowed to do anything. And she's like, well, you better make time. You oh. know, she's absolutely <laughs> furious at this because this is not, a, you know, which I think is a normal parent kind of reaction to a It's probably extent. the most normal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Alison, who's Ali Sheedy, and she gets out of the car and her parents just drive off with, like, no recognition at all. She just like, so... That says a lot as well. She's just completely, you mm. know, her parents are oblivious to her, really. Yeah. Um, so that I thought was very interesting. Uh, and like I say, this is a film very much about stereotypes um, and, and not judging a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, each plays up to their stereotype, really, because it's easier that way. So yeah. um, Claire's the princess and Andrew's the jock and, you know, and... and um, Spender especially is the bad boy and he mm. really plays up to that image because that's what they see him as anyway so why the hell not yeah they say it's easier to get through life meeting people's expectations yeah. of you. Um, so I, and I, what I found really interesting about this is in many ways the kids are more intelligent than the teacher <laughs> which is scary it's, so it's a though. scary thought really Yeah, I did notice in this there were moments like there's over the top moments anyway I mean mm. you know he's cl- like Bender climbing through the roof, you know, in the ceiling <laughs> tiles at one point, and them, you know, smoking weed and dancing and stuff in there. There's lots, yeah, there's lots of like over the top kind of bits in there anyway. Mm. But the scene where um, the teacher, Mr. Vernon, he just goes way over the top 
way mm. he like threatens Bender and he's like trying to get him to fight him. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's kind of... <laughs> Does that happen? I think sort of in the place of where a normal film would have a villain, mm-hmm. John Hughes has definitely vilified teachers and adults. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, I mean, it's a very fun movie. There's lots of really funny moments and it's so relatable that, like, you know, the kids arguing at first, not getting on and then kind of finding ways to get to know each other and that they're actually more like each other in certain mm-hmm. ways than they would have thought. Um, and I do, it's very interesting. They're all under kind of different pressures. Mm-hmm. So Brian, the reason he's in detention is he had a gun in his locker well, because of the pressure of his grades. You know, he got an F in like woodwork or something ridiculous like that and it was going to ruin his gpa and he bought a, a gun granted it was a flare gun so i don't yeah, know like how that. successful that would have been but yeah. still a, a gun um and then andy's under the pressure of winning and, and having to achieve and um, mm. whether he wants to or not really if it, whether it's something that he actually wants to do and then you've got claire who's got to keep up this perfect image mm, pristine yeah people word, see her a certain way um there are quite serious themes in there. In yeah. places, you've got um, Bender with his parents. You know, he had a cigarette put out on his arm, and like, there's a scene where he plays out, like you know, a scene at his house, and very violent, very volatile. Mm-hmm. Then and explains a lot about why he is the way he is. Yeah, like you say, everyone's kind of messed up. Yeah, to like to the same degree, just in different ways. Yeah, um, and that's Absolutely. how they come together, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think the signature song as well, Don't You Forget About Me, is quite fitting as well um, yeah. because they know that whatever they went through that day, they're mm-hmm. not going to speak to each other at school on Monday. They'll never, they won't speak to each other again. Yeah. It was just this passing thing. However much it had an effect on them, that's it. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to reinvent the wheel that is yeah. school and cultural norms. They know what it's going to be like when they go back to school on the Monday, which I think is so sad. And mm. that "Don't You Forget About Me" is a quite a quite a good song to, yeah. to have there. And also, there are a few things that they do at the end so that they do remember each other. So Claire gives Bender a an earring, yeah, an earring and yeah. then you've got um, Ali Sheedy's Alison <laughs> taking the logo off Andrew's jacket, yeah, and you know, so there's off. like little things that you know they keep. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoy. I always enjoy watching it. It's one of those. Mm. I don't think anybody could sit there and not enjoy it. It's just yeah, a really yeah. easy watch. Yeah, I really, really like it. Beneath all of the comedy and the jokes and the gags and da da da, there is quite a realistic element to it. You know, like you said, this is kind of the reality of what really happens. And I think there is there, there are messages in these films. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, you'll be like, oh, it's not just fun and games. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it's a good one, I think, and it, there's a reason it's lasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It still resonates with people um, because these characters are so relatable. They'll always be relatable. It doesn't matter what new generation comes up, they, mm-hmm. they still relate. Yeah, I love it. Um, so we're mixing up the order just so that we can <laughs> take turns. Yeah. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the next one on my list. This is 1986. Bueller. 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 It's been a very long time since I saw this, and I don't think I enjoyed it too much the last time I saw it. I, I don't think I got it. I wanted you to have this one because mm. I have only seen it once and I know I didn't really like okay. it that much. Well, good news. Really enjoyed it oh, this good. time. I think like, I just think before I just didn't get it. I think you have to be of a certain age to kind of fully understand what it is because it's a very different style i suppose um so this one um i don't know if he's meant to be 17 or 18 but he's sort of last year of high school ferris bueller um it opens and he's convincing his parents that he's horrifically unwell um and he can't go to school and he puts on this sort of like his best cutesy baby voice sort of golden mummy's boy act (laughs) um and licks his palms so they're all clammy and um as soon as they leave for work, he's up and he's getting ready for this self-proclaimed, well-deserved epic day off because he deserves it. And it's the thing about his character. He's really charismatic and he's very intelligent and obviously very popular, which is rare, I think, for a John Hughes lead. 
but he doesn't actually come across as a very nice guy to begin no. with. He's not likable. Um, I think that's my issue with it is I just couldn't get on board with him as a character, yeah. which I find very difficult. These first opening scenes, it's the hardest because he's just entitled and spoiled and yeah, arrogant. Yeah, he's so arrogant. Oh. Yeah. Not only is he lying to people and deceiving people, but he's a mastermind at doing it. He's an, he's the master manipulator of, of adults. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the ninth time he's taken a day off in a single term. Um, he complains that his parents haven't bought him a car and instead he's got this rubbish computer, which, I mean, to have a computer was <laughs> In the was 80s, enough. yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that he's above going to school because it's childish and stupid and who gives a crap and all this stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's very hard in the beginning to kind of connect with him and like him. And um, what he does is he peer pressures his best friend, Cameron, who's genuinely unwell, um, to convince him to let them borrow his dad's prize Ferrari, which has never done any miles. Absolutely terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Idea. And they, they jailbreak his girlfriend out of school and then they have a day off in Chicago. So up until this point, he's like a really bad influence. Mm-hmm. But I like films where you get to spend a day with characters you know it doesn't have to be a day but it's a, a significant stretch of time with the characters to the point where you you start to understand them a little bit more and the ones who you at first thought might have been unlikable you actually begin to enjoy and in ferris bueller's case i think we end up rooting for him <laughs> even though you know on paper what he's doing is not good mm-hmm. um but you find yourself like wanting him to evade capture <laughs> from the <laughs> principal all day and have a great time and you see what's happening in the school and you see how zombified all the kids are and how disengaged they are that you think he's having a much more enriching experience mm-hmm. outside of school and the, oh god the teachers <laughs> i mean the principal's one thing he's just again he's this comical um over the top villain you know he's hell bent on stopping skivers pretty much and then <laughs> the, the teacher <laughs> bueller <laughs> bueller you know they're just dull so i don't blame him for doing it I think it's a fantasy film, really. I don't think it's intended mm-hmm. to be literal. And as a result, it's become a kind of legendary yeah. status. And Ferris Bueller is this hero. He doesn't exist, obviously, but he's this hero and kids will want to be like that. And adults yeah. wish they had that outlook on life. It's another reason why that film's lasted. Mm. It resonates because all kids want to <laughs> have that day, you know, yeah. and get out of school and go and have this amazing experience and that's never going to change no. generation to generation yeah i think it let teenagers live vicariously through ferris bueller you know he rebelled in a way that they would never have gone away with so they yeah. didn't have to <laughs> you yeah. know and it was a, it's an escape isn't it and the fantasy of just being able to do whatever you want and he mm-hmm. i should mention as well he he talks directly to the camera sorry i should have said this earlier <laughs> he yes. breaks the fourth wall all the way through you know he tells us things about people that he's with he tells us things about himself he asks us questions you know he says if you had access to a car like this would you take it back right away well no neither would i and then goes on his day and he does little looks to the camera and stuff that's what i meant mm-hmm. by the style being so different yeah um the whole thing circles back to this motto that he has um life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around every once in a while you could miss it so it's a seize the day film and honestly that is a really good message (laughs) and it's one of the best ingredients for a feel-good film and that's the category i would put this in it's Mm -hmm. it's very feel good though i was questioning whether ferris was actually the main character because ferris has already got everything he wants Mm -hmm. apart from a car um and he does everything and he doesn't have any consequences but Cameron, his friend, is the one that's like not in his comfort zone. He's not happy. He's being more like a real person. Yeah, yeah. And there's this other thing that doesn't really get shown, but he's in constant fear of his dad, and we never see him. Um, mm. But it's something that's making him physically and mentally very unwell, and he's having this existential crisis. Um, and the events of the films lead him to have a bit of a epiphany and a revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. I don't think Ferris is. He is the main character, but I don't think he's the focus of the message in the film, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that, yeah. Ferris's girlfriend says to him, you knew what you were doing when you woke up this morning, didn't you? And it makes you think, oh, has Ferris planned the whole thing? Not for his own benefit, he's done it for his friend, and that's quite nice, hmm. even though they crashed the car. Uh- <laughs> I wouldn't find that funny at all. <laughs> no. That would, no, that would, uh, I'd never speak to him again. 
Fair enough. <laughs> Frankly. Yeah, we never find out the fate of Cameron, actually. We never yeah. we never learn what, what comes of Just it. Just probably because it would be absolutely <laughs> awful, that's why. Probably, yeah. Be grounded for life. I think so, yeah. But other than the sad parts, um, loads of iconic scenes. I mean, the the museum scene. I don't know what it is. Even not just in this film, it's one of the most beautiful scenes. Like <laughs> in a film, I can't describe it. It's very out of place in a way for the film, but it's I don't know. It's very um, My emotional. My favourite scene was always the Beatles song. Yeah, on the, the parade, parade float. <laughs> yeah. That was that was always my favourite part. Yeah. Even though I, I mean, as a film as a whole, I don't really. I didn't really enjoy it, but I always loved that scene. Oh, yeah, it is good. For an 80s film not to have a big dance sequence in <laughs> could be Yeah, it's kind unusual. of <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what else do I like about it? Yeah, I love the Save Ferris campaign. <laughs> the the, the rumours just spread and spread and spread that there's something horribly wrong you know, with him. No matter where he goes, just little background details. You know, he's in the newspaper, he's on the ticker tape at the ball game. And you've got Jennifer Grey in this as well, playing his sister, who just is hating every minute of yeah. it. So, like, what, what is this he gets thing that it. people have about him? He's this <laughs> awful little brother. Yeah. So, what the hell is this? Yeah, so funny. But he's outsmarting them all. Yeah. And she sees through it all. She, <laughs> yeah. she sees through everything because obviously like, she's the sibling. I yeah. think it's really interesting as well. This came out the same year as Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay. Um, oh, which oh. is interesting because she just blew up. I mean, she is baby yeah. <laughs> and will always be known as that. But it's funny that this came out at the same time. I have a feeling this might even have come out first. Yeah. She did look a bit younger in this one, I think. Yeah. Slightly. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting one to know that mm. they come out in the same year because very different parts. Very, very different yeah. parts. Then no one ever saw her again. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember Pretty anything much. else. Never mind. Um, oh, well. But yeah, no, I enjoyed that a lot more this time around. Um, good. It is It is funny. And it is feel good. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Cultural staple for a lot of people. Mm. Like so many that. of his others. Mm. Um, so we're then jumping back um, to the year before mm-hmm. uh, with Weird Science. Have you ever wondered how sad it is? That your son's only sexual outlet is tossing off to magazines in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Weird Science is uh, a bonkers movie. I think is the is the only way you can say this really. It doesn't um, make sense. It, it's yeah. There's there's no sense to it. There's not very much logic. Um, this is very much a guy's movie. This mm. one was made for the boys. Um, <laughs> So this is two high school nerds, basically. They've got, you know, no chance with women, <laughs> girls mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, and they decide how the hell this even happens. I don't know. They're watching Frankenstein on the telly. And um, again, this is um, Anthony Michael Hall in this. Um, mm. And is it Ian Mitchell Smith? I don't Mitchell? know. It's got an L in it. So I don't yeah, know. it's Ilan. Ilan Mitchell Island. Mitchell Smith Elaine. I don't know I can't say his name um, but these two guys um, so they're at Wyatt's house which is Ellen Mitchell Smith if that's how you say his name um, and Gary is his best friend and he's staying overnight they're watching Frankenstein and Gary decides we should make a girl on the computer so they've just got this software that they can <laughs> like make do. a girl with which is weird in itself it's like mm-hmm. what well, is this software that you've got yes. so they're like feeding like pictures into a printer or something you know and um giving it ideas and 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 like you know albert einstein yeah like intelligence like and, and yeah it's just it's so weird it's like it's like any boy's dream really yeah, if it was this bear, easy and then they've got, yeah and then they've got this little doll and they've attached it up to these like electrodes and, and then the it's um so they hack into military power to get more power to make this <laughs> and then they, they make this girl and it's kelly lebrock who mm. was gorgeous absolutely gorgeous 25 at her absolute peak mm. um and <laughs> yeah i mean they are dumbstruck obviously because they're these two nerds and she is drop dead gorgeous mm. model she looks like angelina jolie who i thought showers with them and and just oh, and so kisses weird. them and you know and all, all of this uh, that just dr- absolute dream for them um 
it's that absolute boys fantasy movie basically and it but it's just it's bonkers like they go yeah. out on the town and now there's once i had a real problem with mm-hmm. um one particular scene in this real problem um and to be honest i don't know how they got away with it at the time really yeah let alone today <laughs> um yeah so they go to this this bar it's like a blues club kind of mm. thing and it's horrendous so he gets drunk and he's like putting on this voice of yeah and it's horrendous he does it for ages it goes on for about 10 minutes yeah and he sat surrounded by black people i don't i don't know how they did the scene because i would have been so utterly offended Mm. if i were them where did they think that was going like that that was okay i mean it's funny he does it well it's funny you know it's mm. funny lines and i think again if you switch your brain so, off it's, oh, it's funny it's but it's so so offensive yeah uh, and i had a real problem like as soon as it came on i had a real problem with well, it, it just like, makes oh, you uncomfortable God. doesn't it it's, it does you know, so it uncomfortable to watch it and it's so insulting to them yeah but yeah it's like it's this it's like we said there's no logic to it. it's complete fantasy mm-hmm You've got, like I said, um, Iron Man turns up. He's one of the um, bullies um, in this, Robert Downey Jr., um, who's got one of the girls that that one of them wants. And you've got Bill Paxton in this as the older brother who (sighs) basically just extorts his younger brother for money. And, you know, I'm going to tell dad this. I'm going to tell them this. You reminded me of Biff from Back to the Future. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> He's got this like flat top haircut. It's just, just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's so um, Isn't there a bit where like Mad Max bikers come in and oh, yeah, for no reason? And, and <laughs> something goes, why. they decide to make a girl for the bullies oh. uh, later on and accidentally create a missile that comes through the middle of the house and everything in the house starts disappearing and flying outside it's just it's bonkers absolutely yeah. bonkers it's not even science I don't, the title's no, wrong it's, it's, it's got weird. nothing to do it's with it's like that. an 80s version of frankenstein it's like an 80s mm. frankenstein homage yeah <laughs> i suppose it's extremely weird yeah um there are some good bits in it though i think kelly lebrock's great yeah, I really like her. Good. She's yeah. she's great. She has some good lines. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I I don't know. I f- I think it's one that I'm <laughs> so like, sort of enjoy. I don't know. I really I think don't it's know one how, thing, how, if how to take it. If you switch your brain it. off, it's fun and it's enjoyable. But the second you take a step back, you go, huh? <laughs> the whole thing's very strange. It is. It's it's extremely strange. Yeah. Um <laughs> I like the song, the use of weird science in the film. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's parts of it that that I like that work, but then there are bits that I have a big problem with that just really haven't aged yeah. well at all. Um so yeah, I think to be honest, the little said about this really in this day and age the better. Yeah. It's a <laughs> very it's a very eighties boy film. Um yeah. but it's not aged well. Um, and I think we should move on from it because there's a lot of better <laughs> things that we can yeah. we can do. We should stay in memory <laughs> for those who saw yeah, it at the I time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but there's only so far I can accept literally no sense. <laughs> I think I don't think it needed any sense. The boys were looking at Kelly LeBrock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably They it, were it? interested in anything else. It didn't matter what else was going on. They just wanted... They were a bit like those two lads, like mm, the two bullies. Yeah. As soon as they saw her, they were just like... <gasps> You know, just followed her around like sheep and just wanted her. Mm. I think that's basically probably what the entire audience was like. Yeah. Probably like, what forget what else is going on, just put her on the screen. Mm. Fair play, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, one of the other ones that hasn't really aged too great. Yeah, not 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 very well, no. Um, one that I think has, mm-hmm. that I've had on my list for ages, which is planes, trains and automobiles. I know you, don't I? I'm usually very good with names, but I'll be damned if I haven't forgotten yours. You stole my cab. And this is an outlier as well, because this is the adults. Yeah. All the others are teams. from the kids' point of view, but this is this is a film with adults, this mm. one. Yeah. It's interesting to see how it translates, because it's the same kind of dialogue and it's the same kind of comedic ideas and situations, but not being dealt with by that age group so yeah i think it's like the breakfast club in a way because it's a very straightforward plot mm-hmm. um so it's basically just an a to b road trip gone wrong you know that's kind of it. obviously there's more mobility there than the breakfast club but 
in terms of like simplicity. Um, so it's two days before Thanksgiving, although you wouldn't know, you might as well have just made it a Christmas film because it's pretty much the same <laughs> thing as snow and turkeys. Um, so Neil Page, who's played by Steve Martin, he needs to catch a flight from New York back home to his family in Chicago. And then pretty much every conceivable thing that could go wrong does. So there's delays and detours and breakdowns and this big storm that's prevented all the travel and lots of human errors on his part as he goes. And he crosses paths with a guy called Del Griffith, who's played by John Candy. And I'd never seen a John Candy film before, I don't think, before oh, doing this episode. No, I don't, I don't know if I've missed a lot of films or whether it's just this one and Uncle Book that I've, I've really missed on. He's done some of the ones, but there probably is the two big some ones. of his biggest ones, especially planes, <laughs> trains and automobiles is, yeah. I think, very highly um, thought of. Yeah, he's, he's really good, actually. He's, uh, looking at him, I thought, oh, God, he's going to be annoying. But he's, he's really enjoyable. Uh, so in this, he is the polar opposite of Steve Martin's character. He's like an irritable... Oh, sorry, no, Steve Martin is an irritable pessimist. Yeah, he's a straight guy in this, really, yeah, rather really than unusual. the... Yeah, really unusual. Sort of a cynic, I suppose. Yeah, whereas Dell is this boundlessly upbeat and um, positive. He reminded me of Ned Flanders. That's the only way I could put it. <laughs> um, <laughs> even at the Tash. Um, so even when there's like really bad news, he's just like, you know, chuckling about it. Um, and he never stops talking. Um so yeah they're not a good pairing but they're almost forced together because they're just stuck when this flight's cancelled so yeah like you say steve martin's not the comedy character as such but i think what's good about that and it does suit him very well is that as the film does descend and things get more desperate and it becomes more about survival he sort of unravels and (laughs) freaks out and that's where the comedy comes in so you kind of get that contrast with his character i like that um, and then, yeah, as they sort of go through their situations, become more mutual, they start to get along a little bit. There's a bit of common ground. And then by the end of the film, it's a bit more sort of heartwarming, I think. And it mm. does have that Christmas film feel, even though it's not set at Christmas. Um, in terms of the comedy in this one, because there's less main characters going on, I think it's also less sort of dialogue or verbal comedy. You get a lot more slapstick well, more opportunities for physical and performative kind of gags. Mm-hmm. I feel like the quality of this is higher. Yeah, like, you're working with like proper actors, not kids, and and not that the kids aren't proper actors, but you know, you mm. you you're working with like seasoned veterans, yeah. really. You know, and who really know what they're doing. Yeah, and they they really thrive at doing these sort of situational yeah. set pieces. I love the scene the the bedroom at the hotel the first hotel they go to mm-hmm. and they see there's just one double bed and there's just silence again not a lot of non-verbal comedy and they're just looking at each other back and forth for ages thinking oh god what's the other one thinking and then the one of them says do you want to take a shower no <laughs> and then when they wake up in the morning spooning and he's like where's your other hand it's between two pillows those aren't pillows <laughs> and then immediately they're like yeah yeah did you see that Bears game last night. <laughs> you know, they just can't go. Oh, I enjoyed that. And lots of little side characters come in. There's the lady at the rental car desk who swears at 19 times in the space of a minute and stuff like that. You can definitely see the influence again from things like National Lampoon and films like Airplane. Um, and then in turn, the influence it's had on things like Rat Race. I know that's also based on It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World and stuff. Um, so yeah, as a, as a verdict, I mean, it was funny. I wouldn't say I found it outrageously funny, but again, I think it's been done before and I think it's been done slightly better with things like Airplane and and things like that. So, yeah, I liked it. I did like it. Um, And it does take that interesting shift towards the end. Um, For a time, you think, oh, has the novelty just worn off? I'm not laughing anymore. But it is is doing a deliberate shift to make it a message about family and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, There's a bit of a twist, actually, at the end with Dell's character. But yeah, I yeah, I did enjoy it. It's one to tick off the list. It's been there forever. And <laughs> yeah, if you like that kind of film, you know, that kind of slapstick things going wrong time after time after time, then yeah. Yeah, I do recommend mm. that. Good, uh, good great performances. I think more than anything it's the two leads. 
Yeah, it's. It, I, I need to rewatch this. I, I've only seen it once, but I remember really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely on my list. I'm trying to wait until a bit closer to kind of Christmas. December. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's not I'm Christmas, do it, in, it is. do it in November, maybe, because that's around Thanksgiving, isn't it? So I'll do it around mm. that, that time. I wonder if they're trying to play up on the idea of thankfulness, I guess, you know, that the message in the end with Dell and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very good. I, I, I enjoyed it. So the last one, is it the last one? Yeah, I think it so. It is the last one. Um, the last one on the list is Uncle Buck, another John Candy. And this is a, an mm. actual starring role. He is the, you know, he is Uncle Buck. <laughs> Title. Um, so this yeah. is his movie, really. How you doing? Who are you? I'm your Uncle Buck. Do I have an uncle? Unfortunately. I'd never seen this. This was a first watch for me. Oh, I hadn't either. Um, <laughs> and it's it's a interesting film. <laughs> it's got some good moments in it, but there were kind of moments that I, I didn't really get on board with so much. Mm. Um, so this is a film about um, two really crap parents. I'm just going to say it now. <laughs> they are crap parents. They have no idea what the kids want, who they are. Um, there's just no relationship with them whatsoever. They're absolutely Useless. rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm with the kids straight away. Um, Macaulay Culkin's in this, one of his early, very early roles before mm. Home Alone. Um, yeah. And he's great. I really liked him. Yeah, I, I'm, he's growing on me. and gabby hoffman plays the other young young kid um and then you've got an older teenager um called tia so the two two younger ones are miles and Maisie, and then you've got tia who's a teenager she's about 15 Mm -hmm. um and the mother's um dad has a heart attack in the middle of the night and they have to go the parents have to go and um, see him but they, they need someone to, to babysit and there's just nobody else apart from the the dad's brother Buck who is like a, a grown up man child yeah, um, yeah. who has no kind of responsibility no steady job um, n- no real responsibilities in life he's kind of like he get, gains most of his money through betting by the sounds of it not that <laughs> yeah. we see any of it really but you, you kind of get they talk that. about horse racing in, quite yeah a lot, and that impression and his girlfriend's played by Amy Madigan who I really like I, always, <laughs> I like her and everything yeah. um, and she plays Shanice his girlfriend who who like I don't know what she's with him for really because he is a bit of an idiot and every yeah. time he like he's, he's nice enough but he's not pulling his weight is he <laughs> proves every time that he's just not you know not very reliable yeah so I, I she just keeps coming back <laughs> I don't know what for um but she's yeah she's good in in this as well and um and he ends up going and looking after the kids and the teenager Tia, oh my god, she just hates him. Mm. Absolutely hates him. Like, what are you doing to my life? Why are you here? He drives this awful, awful car, <laughs> which is falling apart. It makes this sound like a bomb going off every yeah. time it stops. And <laughs> I quite um, like that though. Every time yeah. he pulls up somewhere, you're waiting for it. Yeah, and the and you know, it's just so embarrassing for her. You know, she's just in front of the school and, and she's got this boyfriend who's an absolute dick mm. um who's only out for one thing obviously oh, yes. mm-hmm. um and she doesn't realize you know kind of the extent of it but book does yeah um she's trying to keep up those appearances again yeah. isn't she you know to fit in the kids kind of love him because I like it, there's for Miles' birthday there's a scene where he, he makes these huge pancakes <laughs> and I'm not talking like huge oh, I'm yeah. talking like enormous like yeah. the entire sausages all around were. the base yeah <laughs> the sausages. Like, i mean who how could you not love someone like that and he takes um, them bowling and i like it when the um sorry when he stands up for is it maisie forgot the mm-hmm. name at the school <laughs> that's what i was gonna i was coming oh, to that sorry. so so like there are moments where I mean you can see books a complete screw up and like, <laughs> like just as an example, he goes into the house and he sees he's got these decorative plates. Yeah. And he like drops one and he's like, oh, shit. And he's like, Oh it oh it must be must be shatterproof. So he smashes it into <laughs> the side of the and it breaks. It's like, oh, are you that no. stupid? So he's that kind of I mean, that sums him up really yeah. as a person. But there are real moments when he excels. Mm-hmm. So he takes them bowling and and he like really kind of backs off this guy who's trying to kind of flirt with the teenager and he's a proper 
bad you can just tell he's a bad guy mm-hmm. um and then he punches away the drunk birthday clown because oh, it's not appropriate for kids <laughs> he's been drinking yeah. so you can just get lost now and he just beats the guy yeah um he keeps Tia from doing anything with the boyfriend, you know, like threatens the boyfriend and mm. makes him feel really <laughs> Gets uncomfortable. His and his yeah, yeah. And um and he defends Maisie from the horrible vice principal, oh, who's literally God. like, you know, she's a six year old and she's not serious enough. She's not taking her studies seriously. It's <laughs> like, Are you serious? She's six years old. And he's like, mm. What the hell is this? She's six. Yeah. You know, and he really kind of stands up for her. Um, which I thought was great. So he does have these moments where he excels, and they're the, I think they're the best bits. Yeah. Um, my probably my biggest issue with this as a film is it doesn't really feel like it flows like a film. It's almost mm. like a series of scenes, yeah. like funny moments. It's that like, thing again. It's the it's the way he's written. You know, he's he, he's a writer of jokes, and then I think the story comes second. And guys, so it. it doesn't flow like a like a movie. Really, it feels like it's kind of a bit choppy Mm. well a lot of the films we've done they'll always have a scene involving a car they'll have a house party scene they'll have a scene in the school (laughs) they'll probably have some kind of awkward dinner Um, they they follow the same patterns they were very successful so (laughs) it's like right well okay we've got to have this scene and (laughs) now we've got to have this scene You know, so uh, yeah, so he did very much in a way play it safe, and he knew, you know, yeah, like I said, they knew what worked, work. though. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a formula, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, mm. but it works. It works. Yeah, <laughs> it really I, I, I like you know? this one. I, I liked it more than I was expecting He's, to. I think this is why John Candy was um, was so popular is because he was so likable mm. um, as an actor. Yeah, it um, really comes across. Um, that nice guy and people he was apparently a really lovely guy and mm-hmm. it, it shows comes across yeah, on the screen you, you know that 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 really does come across and um i think that's what makes it work yeah i've been impressed by the two films that i've watched with him um he actually brought a lot of you know warmth to it you know mm. the, and, and john hughes as well you know just some of the ways that the character arcs go and you could say the same for a lot of the films Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, with these ones, and I guess with any film that's like this, these popcorny entertainment films, I'm usually just very objective. But I think I kind of have to be a bit more subjective when I watch these because yeah. they're not going to be the same. You can't, you can't really compare them to other types of film. Yeah, this is no Sophie's Choice, you know, or Gandhi. No <laughs> <Sophie's choice. laughs> you know, very, very oh. great filmmaking. It's, yeah. it's not that's not what they're made for. Yeah, it's not. I think every, everybody kind of has different lists, don't they? The films that you rate highly because they're great films, and the ones you yeah. rate because they're your guilty pleasures and yeah, stuff exactly. like that. They would and be they, on that these list. Very much fit into that list. Yeah. yeah, those ones that you would watch on a Sunday afternoon. You know, just something to make you feel relaxed. And, yeah. You know that it's that kind of atmosphere you're getting from these films, mm-hmm. but it was very, it was good, it was worth, it was worth doing yeah. because it was. I don't, none of them, like you say, you park your brain at the door almost. <laughs> yeah, you it, do. It's that's the it's the eighties equivalent of that really. Mm-hmm. Um, not big blockbusters in a sense, but just it really easy watching. You don't, you're not. It requires nothing from you. Yeah. At all. Um, you can just sit and watch them, and to be honest, that's quite nice sometimes. Yeah. To, do, to just be able to do that. Yeah. So that's six of his best-known written and directed films. Is mm. there one that we've talked about that you would recommend? Which one would go on the pedestal? Oh, The Breakfast Club. Yeah, definitely. That sounds right, doesn't it? Definitely. There's a reason that one that one um, has lasted, and it's the one that people associate first when you say John Hughes, mm-hmm. say Breakfast Club. You know, yeah. there's a reason for that. Um, it's very simple. Again, like most of his plots, it's five kids in a school with a teacher. You're mm-hmm. in the school pretty much in one room for most of it. Yeah. Uh, there's a little scene outside with a car or two and that that's it. Mm, you know, the rest it's is sort of organic, isn't it? Just yeah, kind of it didn't happens. it didn't um it didn't require a lot really. Yeah. Um lots of talking. Um but there are a lot of um kind of serious things in there. The, the pressures for kids um and the stereotypes and judging and and even to some extent like the teacher and the and the um the janitor you know it's like what you become and what your mm. your expectations are as you know when you become an adult and you know and, and maybe them not meeting expectations of what you wanted from life you know there, there's some interesting themes in there yeah it's a good balance i think and sometimes it catches you off guard when some of the harder hitting stuff yeah happens i really like that um i guess for the sake of 
because it was the next one down that I rated. I'm going to say Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I think it's probably the other one for you know cultural legacy alone. They're probably the two most watched. <laughs> yeah, probably. Definitely. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's amazing that almost he's leaked out of the screen and he's become I don't know this like I say like a legend, legendary figure. Do you remember that time Ferris had a day off? You know, he's not real, but you know, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Um, shows the power of cinema, I guess, that you can seep into the cultural consciousness and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd go Ferris Bueller, I think, on this one. Yeah. Although, although I totally agree, Breakfast Club's better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that I think is probably that. That's it. Yeah, that's episode fifty, John. Fifty. Hughes. Yeah. If you've enjoyed it, subscribe. And <laughs> uh, yeah, plenty all the time. Yeah. And 50 more, I suppose. And then. Yeah, yeah just Got keep going. Then. We'll just keep going. We've got lots to cover. In fact, this might be a good time to. Oh, I don't know. Maybe we should save it for the end of the year. Yeah, we've looked at next save, year. That's what yeah, we'll we've 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 been uh, looking at it. We're very excited. We're completely planned, pretty much. All the whole year's year. planned. Yeah. yeah. We're pretty Crazy. much we're pretty much sorted. I get very yeah. itchy, don't I? I have to like Yeah, I, you, I have to know. Extremely organised is, is when is I'm one looking way at twenty twenty four. You should be worried. <laughs> <laughs> um next episode should be very interesting as well. It was gonna mm. be this one, but um James Bond keeps moving. Yeah, keeps so, moving. Yeah. Um I think it's stopped now though. <laughs> yeah, I think hopefully it's stopped. Yeah. Tickets are <laughs> on sale and people yes. are getting into their seats. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so this will be interesting. I, I started watching them from scratch last year and had to stop when it got moved. So I've kind of forgotten everything mm-hmm. <laughs> that I watched. But I think it'll be quite a fun episode. We'll do some um, top 10 lists and stuff. More of a surface look at yeah. what each actor brought to the role, you know, and uh, different kinds of villains, different kind of plots that they had. Mm-hmm. We're definitely looking at the theme songs. We'll be doing a top list on, <laughs> on yeah, the theme songs. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, and, and looking obviously at, at Daniel Craig's time in particular, with it being mm-hmm. the end of his, and if we've managed to see No Time to Die in time, then yeah, I'd, I'd be very happy to discuss that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be a great. This is film. this is one for you. This is definitely a, a <laughs> this episode. This you are a huge Bond fan, so. Wow. so oh, no, I wouldn't is... say I'm a huge Bond fan. But... Oh, I think compared to other people I know, like you, you know a lot about Bond. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be exciting next. Mm. But in yeah. the meantime, where can they find us, Matt? Well, glad you asked, because <laughs> you can find us. <laughs> I don't remember um, on our website <laughs> www.cinechat.co.uk forward slash podcast or across the social medias. Just search for Cinechat Podcast, or you can email us at podcast at cinechat.co.uk. Well remembered. Not remembered, it's sat in front of Is me. It? I have oh. to get it up every time I've memory like a sieve. I remembered mine this time. Sort of. <laughs> um, so, yeah, James Bond next. Very exciting. We'll see you then, I suppose. Have a nice life. <laughs> it's bye for me. <laughs> bye for me. So stupid. You're still here? It's over. Go home.